Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. We are back again. Dave Gasper alongside Matt Carroll. And boy, is there a whole lot of stuff to talk about as uh, we get things going here. The offseason is now officially started. The World Series is over. The Arizona Diamondbacks lost the World Series, but they made it, though, after eliminating the Brewers, continuing a trend. More than just a trend at this point. Every team to eliminate the Brewers in the playoffs has gone on to the to the World Series. Every single one. Obviously, 1982, they were already there. Uh, six of the nine teams have won the World Series. It could have been seven, but Arizona fell short. They lost in five to the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers were the longest-suffering uh, franchise in baseball, the oldest franchise without a World Series win. And that title, Matt, now belongs to the Brewers. Yep, it sure does. And, hey, at least we haven't gone 108 years since being founded and winning a series. I know that's not exactly how it shook out for those those rascals down south. Um, But we've we've got some more seasons to go to reach that level of futility. But uh, congrats to the Rangers on winning. Eventually, one of these uh, World Series winless teams had to knock one out and Rangers were a juggernaut this year with that offense. And, like, Arizona came up. They started to be fun to watch last year. They were a fun team this year. Not fun getting eliminated by them. But uh, um, there's there's only so much you can do, even with that pitching, uh, until you run into a monster like the Rangers. And they just just flat out out slugged them. Garcia and Seager pretty much flat out outslugged them until Garcia got hurt and even even that didn't slow him down so the Brewers now yep are well I, I think we're tied with the Padres though right did I see that correctly I believe so yeah okay so so someone joins us in our futility but uh yeah we got to get this done we can't that's not that's not a list we want to be on the top of right now no no there were six teams that had never won a World Series before and now it's down to five. I, I saw this video online somewhere um, on Twitter. I forget who made it, but it was like the end scene of Toy Story three, mm-hmm. where all the all the teams are, are the toys left on on the porch as Andy's driving away, and and that's the Texas Rangers with the so long partner. It's yeah. Just like oh, now you gotta hit me in the feels with the Toy Story three ending, <laughs> and just be reminded. I, I believe the Brewers were bullseye uh, in that video, but. Still, it's like now the Brewers are just kind of part of the part of the gang that hasn't won a World Series, and someone else has won, and and the Brewers have not, and it, it just it, it's so frustrating uh, watching it. And then you see some former Brewers, Will Smith uh, won the World Series, uh, former Brewers reliever. He's won three in a row, mm-hmm. by the way. He's on Houston last year. He was on Atlanta the year before that, and just he's just racking up World Series rings. The Brewers had him. He wasn't the World Series good luck charm back then. No. Um, so you know what gives Will? What what what's up with that? But uh, yeah, he falls short. Matt Bush gets a World Series ring. <laughs> I mean that's that's ridiculous to me. But hey, you know, congrats to uh to them to the Rangers, and now the Brewers are gonna be. Trying to get to the World Series in 2024 um, as they kind of reshape the roster and uh, go through that whole process of the offseason, which can now officially begin free agency and trades and everything else. But 
before you can really dive into all of that and, and really make your plans for next year, got to have the manager's job settled. And it is still unsettled for the Milwaukee Brewers, as, as we've kind of seen play out here. The Milwaukee Brewers have given other teams permission to interview Craig Council. Now, as, as of this recording, Craig Council's contract is up. It ended in uh, at the end of October. And he's a free agent, officially. He can talk to any team that he wants to. They don't need the Brewers' permission anymore. He has interviewed with the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, he interviewed today, I believe, with the New York Mets. And the Houston Astros are interested in talking to him as well. And he's probably going to line up an interview there. And, Matt, I think a lot of people are, are getting maybe a little bit concerned uh, about Craig Council and, and if he's going to come back. I still believe that he that he is going to be managing the Brewers in 2024. But uh, a lot of reports about his serious interest in these other jobs and, and being willing to uh, leave Milwaukee. And he's going out there. He's gathering offers. He's weighing his options. And, you know, the longer this goes on, it, it, the more frustrating it gets because you want to get that locked in. Because if the Brewers have to pivot to somebody else, you know, they, they want to be able to do that before everyone else gets hired on the market. Absolutely. There. I, I would blame a lot of the concerns of Brewers fans on the New York media, to be fully honest. And really, in particular, one writer in the New York media, <laughs> in John Heyman, because he is constantly, like, Brewers fans have been well aware. We, we've, we've known about Council's contract status. We've been pretty aware that he was going to test the waters a little bit and that the Mets were a likely spot, especially once, you know, it was announced rather awkwardly that Buck Walter wouldn't be returning. We knew that was all going to happen, but when there's a certain sports writer that writes daily on Craig Council updates, when, even when there aren't really any updates, uh, it's, you know, it just puts a little bit more nerves, a little bit more anxiety into the Brewers fan base to constantly have to be hearing about Council. He's going to interview with the Mets. He's going to interview with the Mets. Here's why he might come. Here's when he's going to come interview. Oh, he's going to Cleveland first, but he's, oh, oh wait, it turns out he hasn't interviewed with the Mets. It's just like all these constant updates when we just want an answer at this point. And I'm, I'm with you. I still feel like the most likely outcome here is council returning that it totally makes sense that he goes and takes these interviews gets an idea of what he's going to be offered brings that back to milwaukee and then milwaukee ends up matching or going a little bit higher to end up keeping him that makes the most sense he wants to stay here he feels comfortable here his family is here like we've gone over all the reasons why the brewers make more sense than anywhere else especially for a guy specifically like craig council but when you keep getting this drilled into your head and on your social new media feeds about all these interviews, then of course, like the fan base starts getting a little restless. So I, I don't blame people mm -hmm. for that happening. And I swear if it were any other team that had an opening shy of like the Yankees, any other team that had this opening, we wouldn't be hearing this much about it. It's specifically mm -hmm. because it's a, a New York managerial opening that we have to constantly be hearing the news stories yeah. about. Plus, so, David Stearns is now over there, so now mm -hmm. there's a connection yeah. to it. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's just something more for 
uh, all that to happen. But honestly, also, I, I think with in terms of the, the managerial market and how that's moving, frankly, I think all the rest of it is going to be held up until Craig Council makes a decision. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I don't think any of these other teams that, that are interviewing for guys are going to make a decision until they know what Council's doing. Because I, I think for, for everyone, for Cleveland, for New York, for everyone else, Craig Council's their top option. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're going to wait and see what he does. Um, and and they're, they're putting their best offer out to him and seeing if, if he takes it. Because he, he's a top free agent on the market. He, he's a top guy they could get. Everyone else either hasn't been a manager uh, the, this past year or they got fired from their previous job. Mm-hmm. Craig Council is is arguably the best manager in baseball. And these teams have a chance to get him, and he's going to be the top choice on everyone's list. So I think all of them are going to end up waiting, all of the remaining openings. Now, I, I know San Francisco already filled uh, theirs with Bob Melvin, um, but, you know, San Diego, they, they've got an opening. What are they going to do? Are they going to try for counsel? Um, you know, Houston, Dusty Baker now retiring. Could they try for, you know, they're, they're going to be trying for counsel. So I think everything is going to be held up. Uh, but by Craig Council, he, he's holding up the entire manager's market because everyone's going to figure out what he's going to do, and they're going to wait on his move before they hire somebody else, um, and and see how that see how that plays out. But really, th- this is a leverage play by mm-hmm. Council. That that's how I continue to read this. Um, all the other reports about him being serious about uh, New York and how he loves New York City. Sure, okay, yeah, the guy who grew up in Whitefish Bay. Uh, and still lives in Whitefish Bay, is going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, New York City, I, I would love to go there. Yeah, sure. I mean, he, he's <laughs> going to say that. He's not going to say, yeah, this is this is totally leverage. I'm just using you to get more money from them. You, mm-hmm. you have to have them believe that you want to go there in order to get the best possible offer. Otherwise, they're not going to be offering you as much as possible if they feel there's no chance of actually luring you there. So why do it? So, so that's all this is really, in, in my opinion, it's leverage for council in order to get the best possible offer from those teams. And then he's going to come to the Brewers and be like, look, these are the offers that I got. This is the top one. I need you to match it or I could go. And, and I think for, for council, you have to be, if you're going to make this threat, if you're going to be looking out there, exploring your options, you have to understand that there is a possibility that the Brewers say, no, we will not match that offer. And you have to be willing to walk away and go to that other team. So that's kind of the risk you're you're running. Um, but I think that's a risk Council is willing to take, even though he loves Milwaukee. What it seems like is his priority is resetting the managerial pay scale uh, and being the highest paid manager and, and setting a high bar, as high a bar as possible, because that will raise the salaries for all the other managers behind him. I think that's the priority. At this point, it's it's like in Moneyball, Matt. It's it's when when Billy Bean gets a contract offer from the Red Sox, it's not about the money. It's about what the money says. And, you know, it, it's not that council needs the money at this point. You know, an extra 500000 or an extra $1 million per year isn't really going to change much for council. God, I wish I could be in that position. But anyways, <laughs> so... Like, like that's not where he's at. What what he's at is is trying to see what the money says, what a top manager should be paid. So it, it's all about maximizing the payday 
not just for himself, but for every other manager in baseball. And that's that's all this is. This this is leverage in my in my opinion. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and and again, like like you said, like there is there the chance that the Brewers don't end up matching it? Sure. I mean, with the way the Brewers, you know, approach financial decisions, yes, there's definitely the chance it could happen. Um, but also, like you said, like you've you've got to he he owes it to his fellow managers to go out and do this and, you know, set the standard for what a quality manager should be making. For those who are fans of the NFL, you saw a lot of this, like kind of a similar movement this last offseason with a bunch of running backs and about how the running back position over over recent years has been starting to get devalued. And a lot of these current running backs who are coming either close to or needing, you know, contract extensions were starting to get lowballed a little bit. Now you can argue whether or not that was the right thing to do based off of how running backs are used these days and what their shelf life is like. But a lot of them ended up, you know, there were some of the top names that ended up holding out for better contracts way close to the beginning of the regular season because they owed it to their running back brethren to be able to, you know, set a decent ceiling for contracts for their position little bit of a similar situation here happening with council. It's go, it's what he ends up doing and what he ends up getting for a contract will end up setting the stage for future negotiations for other managerial candidates, not necessarily just like the new ones, but the ones who've been around for a while and have proven themselves to be effective managers. And so these are the type of things that happen in not just baseball, but all sports. So it's no surprise that he's doing it. You and I are in agreement that the most likely scenario is he comes back to Milwaukee. There's a chance he doesn't. Like, sure, we, we're very well aware of that. But again, like, it's nothing that has happened recently has changed your mind or my mind that the most likely outcome is Council still in Milwaukee after this season. Yeah, it, it's just the way the Brewers have talked about this um and being willing to let him explore his options and how they want him back and things like that. I mean, the salaries that he's looking for are really nothing that that break the bank. I mean, they they're whatever the top salary for a manager was in history, they just paid more in one season to that to Jesse Winker this past <laughs> year and got absolutely yeah. nothing out of it. I mean, if if you're willing to pay 8 million a season for Jesse Winker, you know, are, are you really not willing to pay six or seven million for Craig Council, who I, I mean, there's, I know there's no wins above replacement stat for managers, but I mean, Craig Council is probably an, an eight to ten war manager. I mean, just just going from from him to, to a replacement level manager, whoever it is you would get, that's the difference between a bunch of wins, probably eight to ten wins, I, I would say, over the course of the season. So that's a top flight manager. And letting him go um, over, you know, something very minuscule in, in terms of salary compared to what they pay players would, would be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to end up the Brewers will match whatever the top offer is, um, and he's going to end up coming back. The way that they've talked about it, about how they want him back and letting him explore his options, it's it, it sounds like whatever it is that comes in 
they're going to match it. But Council wanted to go out and see what those offers were. The Brewers could offer them whatever, offer him whatever he wanted, or, or offer him whatever they wanted to to give him. But he's not going to take that unless he knows that's the best offer on the table. And the only way to know is to go out and talk to these other teams and see what are they willing to pay you. Because mm-hmm. you're worth what someone's willing to pay you. The Brewers could offer him $5 million a season, but if but how is he going to know if that's the best offer if he doesn't talk to someone else? Someone else could offer him $6 million a season. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I just left a million dollars per year on the table. By, by taking this offer early, I didn't know about what that potential offer was. So that's what Council's going out to do. He was, he was a big players union rep back when he was back when he was a player. So things like this are, are important to him, setting the market and, and improving it for his fellow managers. And we're just still in the in the waiting out process. Hopefully a decision will be coming soon um, as he's got his uh, interviews all lined up. And hopefully he'll just he'll just end up coming back because th- there's no way that the council is going to take one of these offers without at least coming back to the brewers and giving them an, a chance to match it. I, I just don't see that happening. No. Right. If if council comes back or doesn't come back, it's because he went back to the Brewers, let them know what those values were, and the Brewers weren't willing to match. Like, that's the scenario that ends up happening. Not a, like, oh, you know what? That was great. I'm just taking that offer. I'm taking the first, you know, the what comes. Yeah. Like, it's just. It's not like it's not like the Bob Melvin situation, because Bob Melvin really kind of wanted to get out of San Diego, uh, which I really don't blame him for. And as soon as they gave him the chance to interview someplace else, like interview with with San Francisco, as soon as they offered him the job, he's like, yes, I will take it. I am gone. Like, like, like that's that's because it was a bad situation with with Melvin and San Diego. Craig Council doesn't have that with the Brewers. It's a pretty good situation uh, that that he has and he loves it in Milwaukee. So I'm not too worried about it, uh, but we'll see how that whole uh, situation plays out. So. Now that the offseason has begun, uh, the Brewers did not waste any time uh, getting things going with free agency after the World Series ended. Uh, Free agency kicked off on Thursday here. Uh, Six players officially hitting free agency, and now only five of them are left on the market. market. The Milwaukee Brewers have re-signed Colin Ray. Yes, Colin Ray to a one-year deal with a club option for 2025. Um, three and a half million for Colin Ray as he comes back. It's a valuable depth piece for this rotation. When Brandon Woodruff went out and, and Eric Lauer got hurt and uh, so was Wade Miley and so was pretty much everyone else in that Brewers rotation, Colin Ray came up and, and really kind of helped stabilize that group. Uh, so he's a valuable depth piece. He was a guy, Matt, that I really kind of saw as someone that I, I, I thought would make sense to re-sign uh, from the beginning, as soon as as soon as it was announced, hey, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. I always thought he made sense to resign, and uh, sure enough, the the Brewers agreed with me for once, uh, which is nice, and uh, they they bring him back. Yeah, I I agree. I, I was a little surprised at three and a half million, I guess, for you know his background or lack thereof. Um, you know, he hasn't been around as a major league pitcher for too terribly long, but, um, you know, to, to sign guys as free agents, you got to you throw a little bit of money at them sometimes. Um, and I think the uncertainty with the rotation as it currently stands plays a lot into why they ended up bringing him back. We know we very likely don't have Brandon Woodruff 
for next season. If he does pitch, it'll be a tiny, tiny bit at the very, very end of the season. We don't know what's going to happen to Corbin Burns. We don't know if they're going to pick up Wade Miley's option at this point. So, you know, that that outside of Freddie Peralta, that, that's three or four top pitchers right there. So to, to ensure that you have at least a little bit of depth with someone who you're familiar with and someone who got better as the season went on for the month of September, Colin Ray had a 2.22 ERA. I mean, like as he was coming in and starting to fill in as needed, um, that's, that's pretty dang solid. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, he, and then we saw, you know, we talked at length about what he was able to do um, shoring up the rotation as they went through injuries during the middle of the season as well. So um, I think the Brewers see that they have a little bit of something there. They have someone who, you know, can be reliable, can pitch in as needed. Uh, he doesn't have any minor league options left at this point, so he's going to be on the roster, and, and you know, unless he gets uh, designated for assignment at this point. But the plan, it sure seems like now, is for him to be in the rotation. So you know you have Freddie Peralta. You know you have Colin Ray. That's kind of your two locks at this point. Yes, you have Adrian Hauser around, so currently he would slot in. Hauser's going to be there. Yeah. What's that? Hauser's yeah. going to be there. I, I feel um, like Burns I... is still on the roster, so Burns for now checks in as a starter too. Aaron do, you, Ashby, do you think he gets traded, Burns? I don't think he gets traded. I think it's. I think as much as Brewers fans would dislike it. Um, I think especially, again, with the Brandon Woodruff situation, I think at this point you you keep him and let him walk. As, and, it, yes, it hurts to not get assets back in a trade, but you're kind of stuck in that situation now. Having not traded him and having Brandon Woodruff out, it, the other option is you trade him, but then just go sign a More you know, free agent to, sub, yeah. to probably more than you're going to end up paying – uh, Corbin Burns just in an arbitration deal. So yeah. it, it seems to make the most sense that he would stay now. And yeah, you get nothing for him unless the Brewers are out of it at the trade deadline next season, which I don't foresee happening. Uh, hey, there, there's that draft pick when you give him a qualifying offer. Next right. Year. Yeah, exactly. So you get something, but yeah, right. uh, I understand the not wanting to wait around for a potential draft pick to pan out, but yeah, it, it, I think you, you're looking at, you need to get rotation depth. Matt Arnold said as much even before he knew that Woodruff was out for all of next year. And Colin Ray is going to provide that. I think the Brewers would be be best off heading into the season with Colin Ray sixth on the depth chart. Um, He's currently fourth on the depth chart in in the rotation behind Burns, Peralta, and Hauser. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you got a couple more starters uh, that you still have to go out there and get. Uh, to really, I think, feel comfortable heading into the season. Um, so that's going to be something to watch as the offseason unfolds, but an important f- good start uh, for that rotation rotation depth, bringing back uh, Colin Ray. And uh, guys who won't be back, uh, we have some decisions on this as well. The club options on Justin Wilson and Andrew Chafin were also declined on Thursday here. And Matt, that is uh, no surprise to me or really anyone else. The way Andrew Chafin pitched down the stretch, uh, he certainly wasn't, uh, he was lucky to have even made it to uh, the end of the season 
and certainly carrying a, a set a seven plus million dollar option for next season was not going to be something the Brewers picked up. Even for productive relievers, the Brewers don't like paying seven plus million dollars uh, for a reliever. And Chafin was not a productive, trusted reliever for Craig Council. So he gets uh, to go into free agency. He gets his option declined. Justin Wilson never even pitched. He came close. He came. He got activated, and then he hurt his lat and missed the whole season. Uh, I feel awful for him, but that was an easy decline uh, for the Brewers. Yeah, yeah, and that was a bummer. Um, hoped maybe there was some world where, you know, it is his option was wasn't terribly huge um, from what I remember, but that was like two and a half mil. Yeah, but. My bet is that he's going to miss a good chunk of next season too. And, you know, it just, even at that, you know, lower type, he's, he's hitting his age 36 season. Um, it just didn't end up making sense. And that, that's just one of the unfortunate things about sports is, you know, the toll that injuries can take and just really sad situation that we never got to end up seeing him pitch in a Brewers uniform because, you know, just seemed like a good guy to have around, good experience, um, good background, but just didn't end up working out. So, um, yeah, but neither of those two were surprises at all. Good to see that they still haven't, you know, I know Wade Miley's option is expensive, but again. And it's mutual too. It it is mutual, yes. But still, you know, looking at the Brewer side of it, um, you know, it's, they're going to need starters. Even if the Brewers keep Burns, let's say, for argument's sake, they extend, or not extend, pick up the option for, both sides pick up the option for Wade Miley, and they've now brought Colin Ray back, I would still hunt down a starter in oh, free agency. Yeah. Like, at that point, like regardless, I'd still be looking. So, like, odds are you know, you might not have one of those two remaining pitchers and really end up having to go look for one. I still think you do regardless. Yeah. Uh, you, you could also look to the trade market. Um, the, the free agent class uh, this offseason really isn't great across the board. Uh, there, there are some top flight starters like Aaron Nola and Blake Snell, but the Brewers are not going to be shopping in that aisle uh, at all. So you're you're really probably going to be looking at mid-rotation, back-end uh, type of options to replace Brandon Woodruff, who is a top-shelf starter when he's healthy. But Brewers are not going to be paying $100-plus million over several years to one of these top-flight starters to replace Brandon Woodruff for one year. I, I, I just I don't see it happening uh, at all. You could look to the trade market. That could be a place that the Brewers go to where you don't have to, to pay exorbitant salaries. Uh, where the control could be a little bit different. You could get a top-flight guy for maybe a year or two, um, but I'm not sure who exactly they could go to there. Diving into um, just kind of all of that offseason stuff, it's it's still early. Um, I haven't fully dove into all of that yet, um, but there are going to be options out there. Matt Arnold found a bunch last year. I mean, William Contreras, you really didn't think was going to be an option at all on the trade market, and then all of a sudden... He's a brewer and he's a silver slugger finalist. Uh, we got those awards yeah. uh, coming out today. William Contreras, a finalist for catcher's silver slugger. 
so congratulations to Wild Bill on that. But yeah, that that's kind of what you're looking at with with free agency, with trades. You're going to have to get a couple more guys. Um, and and I mean the option decisions. They they got the two easy ones out of the way. But yeah, Wade Miley still uh, that they have that they have a few days to figure out. They have until Monday. Uh, I believe to get those in, and then also Mark Canna's option. Yeah, got to figure out what you're doing with him. Yeah, yeah, I, I would love them. I know Canna's option is not the type of money that they they normally like to pay. Eleven and uh, a half million. But I would do it. I would at this point. I, I think he was he was so good for the Brewers down the stretch, and I think. Bringing him back at that price for the price for what you get is about just as good a value as you're going to get making any other offensive addition on the free agent market. So I, I've kind of gone back and forth with whether I would want them to do that. Um, I, I'm i really curious when it comes to the roster. We've got, again, like we've got a lot of time to kind of talk about this. I'm really interested in where the Brewers view Tyler Black in their future for next year, particularly where they expect him to play, because I could equally see him. But you look like you're about to say something. Well, yeah, I was, I was just about to to bring up um, at the end of the season press conference, Matt Arnold talked about Tyler Black mm-hmm. um, and being in the mix at third base uh, potentially yeah. early on next season, along alongside Andrew Monasterio, who mm-hmm. I think, frankly, Tyler Black could beat out. Uh, in spring training. I, I'd like to see Tyler Black on that opening day roster. Um, but I, I think they view him as, as a third baseman for right now. Yes, I know he does have first base experience as well. But the fact that Matt Arnold mentioned Black specifically and unprompted uh, mm-hmm. about third mm-hmm. base next year early on, I think that's where the Brewers see him uh, as of right now. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense, um, and that's where I would like to see him play, especially because they really haven't solved that third base position since, I mean, Travis Shaw was probably the yeah. last really decent third baseman that they had, and that that was really just for a couple of years. Um, I, so it makes a lot of sense to me, but at the same time, he, they got him a lot of time in the minors at first base, and he did a good job there, and the Brewers need to figure that position out too. So I don't know if like maybe the market will kind of dictate a little bit where he ends up playing based off of what hole they're able to address. Um, But I think that determines, you know, a little bit of what direction they go in. And if Tyler Black is a third base option, if that's where they decide they're going to go forward with him, Mark Hanna can be your first base option, or at least a, a, a partial option there and flip between first and outfield and DH and, you know, kind of basically yeah. where they had him play last year, but that, you know, it would, what, who else are you going to get that's out there that's going to give you, like I said, as, as good a value? Yes, Canna's pricey, but the other options, I haven't seen a lot of good first base options out there that are going to exist in free agency. Yes, there's the trade market, but you, you know, you think to free agents first and outside of bringing back Carlos Santana. Yeah. Like and the what? trade market, you re, you really never know because the Brewers right. got involved in in Pete Alonso's trade market at the trade deadline. Yep. And event, I mean, ultimately the Mets did not pull the trigger. And now heading into the soft season, you could revisit that, but there's no guarantee that they're going to trade that they're going to trade Pete Alonso. Right. There's certainly no guarantee that they're going to trade him to you. So right. 
that Stearns is going to trade him to us. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think it would make a lot more sense uh, for the Brewers to just pick up Canna's option, mm-hmm. have him at first base. It, it, it solves a big need, really allows you to focus on on other needs uh, during the offseason. And, you know, he can give you some outfield depth if you need it. Uh, but you also have Sal Freelich and Garrett Mitchell and Joey Weimer and Blake Perkins and Tyrone Taylor and Christian Yelich. And shortly after that, you've got uh, Jackson Churio. They also added Chris Roller to the 40-man roster. So you're swimming in outfield options. Yeah, yeah. You don't really need Canna out there. What, you, what you're not swimming in is first base options. Right. Um, and Rowdy Telez is probably a non-tender uh, mm-hmm. at that deadline. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. But that's that's what you're looking at. So because if you non-tender, if you let Canna go and you non-tender Telez, your top first base option on the 40-man roster is Owen Miller. Mm-hmm. And that is hardly an ideal situation <laughs> for the Brewers to have, to put it mildly. Yeah. So Fun for fans of the uh, Wisconsin boys, but yes. not for fans of the... Speaking uh, speaking of the Wisconsin boys, sad news for our boy Boz, uh, Caleb mm. Boz. He got outrighted yeah. off of the 40-man roster uh, this past week. So he is, is no longer on the 40-man. Cleared waivers. Uh, and he should remain uh, within the organization, I believe, unless he's able to, to become a free agent. But I don't think so. I don't think so either. So we'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, Boz, he had a fantastic MLB debut. Super excited for him. And just uh, a victim of roster math uh, as things have gone on. I mean, he was kind of brought up just to kind of help get the pitching through and line it up for the playoffs. And he did a great job of that. But... Yeah, going forward, I don't think he's he's in their plans, uh, which kind of sucks. But, hey, he did a really good job, and maybe he can get himself back on the 40-man uh, next year. So that's that's where uh, those are those situations are sitting. We, ha- we do have another new brewer uh, that is joining the organization. Um, he sounds like a mobster, but we'll get more on the <laughs> mobsters in a bit. Vinny Capra was claimed off of waivers uh, from the Pittsburgh Pirates. He has 17 MLB games under his belt. Uh, he's kind of an he's an undersized contact hitter type guy who's done really well in AAA, has not translated that success to the big league level in limited playing time. But um, he's someone that the Brewers claimed, kind of a super utility infielder kind of guy uh, that, that can play all over the place. But uh, Vinny Capra claimed off waivers. Um, and you know, just, just the name, Matt, he sounds like, like a mobster hitman. Was that a Jimmy Hoffa reference? Just there. It might've been a Jimmy Hoffa reference. So, so, okay. We, we've got to, we've got to jump into this because this is the wildest thing I have ever heard for decades. The mysterious disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa has has mystified investigators and everybody. And where is he buried? Who knows? He's totally dead, right? Where is he? Apparently, he might be right outside American Family Field. He could be buried underneath Hellfare Field. Hellfare, Hoffa, I don't know. It's a Little League park 
No one would ever think twice that there's a mobster buried underneath it. We have cadaver dogs that have shown up to Hellfire Field, and they have all alerted that there are human remains, like right outside of Hellfire Field. Like right in the grass, right under the concrete, there is some mysterious clay uh, that is blocking the ground-penetrating radar. We don't know for sure, but Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> like we're having picnics. Like I remember, like like we're like we're walking out having picnics at at freaking Hellfire Field. You know, just tailgating for a game. You know, playing cornhole. We're playing cornhole over Jimmy Hoffa's body, Matt. What is this world coming to? I don't. I, I very quickly skimmed over this supposed story, but like that Jimmy Hoffa's remains were brought to Milwaukee after like 20 plus years and then yeah. buried. Like, so someone was like, people had just been chilling out with his remains for like decades and they knew where it was they knew where the body was and then they had to go back and move it yeah exactly so like yeah that's what happened and then so as i'm they they apparently like moved it before county stadium was fully closed it was like in 1995 that they moved the body and they buried it under third base like under the third baseline or something so like like i think after they had gotten approval for Miller Park to, to start building there or something. So maybe they knew like the whole thing was going to be torn down in a bit. I don't know, but yeah, it sounds like they moved the body to Milwaukee and put it under County stadiums, third baseline somewhere, <laughs> which, which is now Hellfair field. And he's just been laying however deep underground this whole time. And nobody ever knew. Okay. Uh, oh, <laughs> sure. All right. Um, I oh man, that's that is a conspiracy indeed. But there's like legit stuff. Like like they literally this this cold case investigator team brought out cadaver dogs. There there are there are investigators and cadaver dogs outside. American Family Field, and they are sniffing around, and they are positively alerting that there are human remains at at Hellfair Field. Are they Jimmy okay. Hoffa's? Maybe, maybe not. But something is buried there. Is is what it sounds like. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. This is this is the craziest <laughs> story I have seen in my life. I don't know how legit any of this is. I honestly. I would love to believe that this is actually legit just because it would be so insane if after all these years we finally found Jimmy Hoffa and he was buried outside a little league park outside Hellfare Field. Like we have literally been playing cornhole on top of Jimmy Hoffa's body this entire time. All this time we thought he was buried out in the woods or maybe just wearing cement shoes at the bottom of a lake somewhere. But no. Right in plain sight, right where all these people are, where no one would ever think twice. So po- such a popular place. Everyone's playing cornhole and everything there, and it's just right underneath your feet, Jimmy Hoffa. 
it's, just, it's still so absurd. I can't yeah. believe this is what I'm saying. We're talking about Jimmy Hoffa oh. on a first podcast. Sure He's we just sure buried are. outside the park somewhere next next to Hank Aaron's 755th home run ball landing spot or something. Like it's it's absurd. I to your point, like yeah. Cadaver dogs are like sniffing through freaking like layers of concrete. Is that is that a thing? And also, like, I mean, are they more accurate than like drug sniffing dogs? Because I've seen that drug sniffing dogs are accurate at whopping like fifty percent of the time. So I have no idea. I I am not I mean, into the science of the cadaver dogs. We we should get a <laughs> cadaver dog expert uh, on the right. podcast uh, next time and and really kind of figure out what what in the hell is going on. Uh, with this whole Jimmy Hoffa story, but um, yeah, it is uh, it is mysterious indeed, uh, and that is it is basically a sideshow to the Spurs. Brewers so Vinny Capra, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Vinny Capra. Um, his father, you know, Vinny the Butcher Capra. <laughs> <laughs> Way back in the 1970s, worked for the Genovese family. Was he on yeah. Team Italy? Because if not, he should have been with a name like that. I think so. I thought he was. Okay. He. I don't I, know. We'll, we'll have to ask Sal Freelich, but uh. Exactly. Yeah. If we're reuniting the Italians here, you know, if you you can get a lineup of of Sal and Vinny, uh, and for there for the Brewers, I mean, that's going to be a a powerful lineup. Right. I mean, I swear the did. Italian sausage better win the sausage race that night. <laughs> Otherwise, that is. That is a miscarriage of justice. Um, there was not, in fact, a Vinnie Capra sighting on Team Italy. So sorry, oh, sorry oh. to sorry to inform. Vinnie Capra has played so few major league games in his career that one of his positions is listed as pinch hitter on Baseball <laughs> Reference. That's, <laughs> so, that's a lovely position, huh? Right. Um, he just. Uh, for anyone who is interested in the Vinny Capra background, um, he's a decent enough hitter. He, is, in his first minor league career, uh, hit 271, so that's all right. 355 is an on-base percentage, uh, decent as well. 754 OPS, so he's not a big slugger. 22 whopping uh, career minor league home runs, 39 steals, so he's not necessarily a, a burner either. Um, yep. He is Vinny Capra. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, claim a lot of waivers from the Pirates and cool. That's a, that, that's a known team full of studs over there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if the Pirates put you on waivers, it's it's pretty much as bad as the Oakland A's putting you on waivers. Like, if you're not even good enough to make it there, I mean, eh. Yeah. But, so, you know, uh, give it a shot. And a lot of we, the guys, we, like, a, we will see if he lasts until spring training. Exactly. What because I was say. The, there are a lot of these waiver claims throughout the offseason where they will pick guys up and the Brewers will have them on paper. But by the time spring training rolls around, they they were put back on waivers and claimed by somebody else. And it's just a whole whole cycle and they, and they may never actually play for you. So we'll see what Vinny Capra does uh, if he remains part of the organization. But um, yeah. They uh, they have him now. So that's kind of um, where the the offseason uh, is as, as things are just really kind of getting started uh, right now. 
Um, the Milwaukee Brewers are, are really just kind of waiting on Craig Council. You know, they, they, they got Colin Ray back. Okay, great, cool, good. But everything is is hinging upon Council and what he does, and that's really kind of the big the big focus right now as, as things really just kind of get underway. Uh, and he's in the middle of that interview process right now, and it's it's all on it's all on the Brewers if, if they're willing to match whatever the salary is. From the reports that we've seen, the Mets are not willing to go to eight million for Council per year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's going to cost the Brewers less than eight million per year for Council, it's still worth it. Whatever his salary ends up being, whatever range it is between probably between five and seven million somewhere is where the the range is going to be. I I imagine the Brewers had to pay be paying Stern something while he was a consultant this last year, right? He was still in the final year of his contract, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a little mud, bit of money that you have freed up now, right? Maybe just move that over towards Craig Council. Just just a little just a little nudge. Yeah, exactly. Just, just nudge it over. So there's there's a little bit of extra funds uh, towards paying your manager. I mean, it's like you said, like it's yeah. Jesse Winker's the, off the roster. You can use that money at him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a you know, it, like you said, a couple million dollars of a bump to have someone like Craig Council around for the next few years is easily money that's worth paying. Like. It's going to be a challenging year with, uh, again, one of the first times that the starting rotation isn't, you know, that stable big three type thing that you can for sure count on. You know, at least one of those guys is gone. You've got uncertainty at a few different positions on the diamond. You've got uh, you're going to be relying on a lot of second year guys now, um, guys who were rookies this season. Um so it's going to be relatively young at points. You're going to need a solid manager. I don't know that you want to necessarily add like a first year guy into the mix in this kind of, mm-hmm. you know, pivotal year where you're kind of transitioning between a couple of different windows um, of competitiveness of this, you know, kind of this old core moving sort of into a new core, having good old reliable Craig Council around during that. Uh, is something that I feel like the Brewers could really use. And so paying that little bit of extra money for him to end up keeping him around, I think is really important right now. And not only keeping him around for this season, but then letting him continue to be at the helm again as you kind of foster in this uh, new wave that ends up starting in like 2025 and 2026, where, you know, you've got your you know, probably your Mizorowski and your Rodriguez and your Jackson Churio and your Tyler Black all coming up, you know, depending on who gets, you know, I'm sure some of these people get traded, you know, at some point over time, whatever. I want him around to be moving into this, this next, like I said, this next form of Brewers baseball um, and not also have to be onboarding a new manager because again, like a, a lot of the guys out there, the tenured managers that are available are just not that particularly impressive to me. A Gabe Kapler, mm-hmm. a Mike Schiltz, uh, like n- not guys that yeah. inspire me a ton to have around. So, you know, give me counsel. 
Yeah. And I, I know that there are a lot of people out there who are just kind of like, let them go. We can get someone better. Council sucks anyways, blah, blah, blah. I mean, look, I, I, I will just kind of bring this up. You know, the grass isn't always greener on the yeah. other side. You can be like, okay, yeah, let council go get someone better. The odds of you finding someone better uh, are very slim. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll bring up this point in history as, as just kind of an example. Ned Yost. I think we can all agree he was a pretty good manager, right? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe not perfect, but Ned Yost was a pretty good manager. Uh, managing the Brewers from 2003 to 2008, and then he gets fired at the end of the year because, you know, it's like, okay, we kind of panicked because the, the team was kind of struggling there towards the end. So fire fire Yost to fire the guys up, and then you end up making the postseason with Dale Swain. But you don't want to give Dale Swain the full-time job, so – you're looking for a manager that offseason, and you're looking all around, you're scouring, you're scouring, and find out Ned Yost is probably the best manager on the market. But Ned Yost left, he goes to Kansas City. Who, who did the Brewers get? Ken Maka. Ugh. Ken Maka was absolute garbage. He was a horrible manager. Uh, he's, I mean, that, that Brewers team, they still had that core from 2008, and they still had most of the core that was there in 2011. Those two, those two were playoff teams, and 2009, 2010, the Ken Maki years, they were garbage. So the, the difference between a good manager and a bad manager is quite drastic. Mm-hmm. So just letting Council go and then just trying to get somebody else, like a Mike Schilt or uh, a Gabe Kapler or someone, or someone like that, could be the difference between this Brewers team overachieving and making the playoffs every single year and them underachieving and, and finishing with 75 wins um, mm-hmm. in that time. So I'd rather have Craig Council. You know, yeah. it, it, it's a much better situation for the Brewers to be in. Letting him go would, would just be a, a ridiculous move, in, in my in my opinion. It just let it, letting him go because you're upset with how he manages – um, just, just, you're not going to find anything better out there. I don't, I don't think so. You're going to want to keep them around. Right. And there is a reason that he is the, everyone wants to interview him and he is regarded as the most sought after managerial candidate in years mm-hmm. because he is that damn good of a manager. So it, for anyone who has their, you know, their opinions, their negative opinions on him, fine, have those negative opinions. But, like, realize that that is not generally an opinion that is shared by a majority of the baseball world, all mm-hmm. of which know a lot more about the business than we do. So yeah. he is a very, very good manager, and there is a reason why everyone, including the Brewers, want him. It's because he's that damn good. So. Yeah, and typically managers of his caliber do not reach free agency. Right. Uh, they, they they are not allowed to th- this opportunity to to shop around uh, for other options. So it's something that uh, everyone's going to be keeping a close eye on, and it's going to be the story of this Brewers offseason until uh, a decision is is finally made. So uh, as we just kind of uh, get towards the the end of the pod uh, here. Just one quick final thing I, I wanted to bring up. So the Texas Rangers, as we mentioned earlier, World Series champions, um, they spent quite a bit 
in order to get there. They spent on Corey Seager. They spent on Marcus Simeon. They spent on Jacob deGrom, even though deGrom wasn't really why they made it this year. But they spent big-time money, uh, and they and they really brought up payroll quite a bit in order to get there, and it got them a World Series ring because they went all in in order to get there. And it paid off, and now they got the World Series. And there's a lot of people um, in, in Brewers fandom, and it, there's certainly – uh, understandable that want the Brewers to spend more and spending more is going to equal building a world series caliber team, but not all spending is created equally. We just saw this past week, the San Diego Padres had to take out a $50 million loan mm-hmm. to help, uh, ma- help cover some of their guarantees, including for player payroll that they had to make. Uh, because they are pretty cash strapped right now because they spent quite a bit in order to try to get to a World Series and they have fallen flat on their face. They missed the playoffs this year um, and they have a lot of payroll obligations that are locked in for several years to come and they aren't performing well. So it, it's kind of a cautionary tale, but it's also talking about you know how spending can get you there it, it's a matter of spending wisely mm-hmm. um and not just kind of throwing money at at whoever you can um matt and i think that's something that, that we we've talked about uh before and, and something that, that we're in agreement on it it's not just spending it's spending wisely the texas rangers spent wisely and that's why they have a World Series. The San Diego Padres did not. And I remember when the Padres were doing all that spending. And there were so many people in, in my mention, so many people, so many Brewers fans that were just like, why can't the Brewers be more like the Padres? The Padres are, are technically a small market, even though no one thinks of San Diego as a small market. But the Padres are a small market. They never were, were big spenders. And now all of a sudden they're spending big and they've got all this money and, and they're throwing it at trying to build a World Series team. It's like, I want the Brewers to be like this. The Padres are a disaster. Mm-hmm. The Mets are a disaster. <laughs> Let's yeah, the, the Mets, same it's, thing. It's, the, the, they've had the highest payroll by far for the last two seasons and still haven't yeah. been able to. Steve Cohen doesn't need to take out a loan for any of that, but yeah. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, because they have Steve Cohen who has money for friggin' days. Yeah. Um, yes, it 100% is it's spending the money wisely. And it's also it, it's it's the things you do that aren't necessarily related to spending money. It's having a good manager. It's drafting well. It's developing well mm-hmm. and building that base from within, too, because you look on the other side of the uh, the ticket the in the World Series. You've got the Diamondbacks. They had a lower payroll than the Brewers. Yeah. The Brewers finished 19th in payroll. The Diamondbacks were 21st, and yet mm. they made it to the World Series. They've had some very, very good drafting and development recently. Tori Lovello, great manager. He's he's turned out so you know he's a young, uh, a newer manager, but he's turned out to be really good at it. And things kind of worked for them in the right way. But they also, again, like um, I know the uh, the Madison Bumgarner deal maybe didn't work out. <laughs> extremely well for them but a lot of the other moves that they end up making were smart moves they just happened to be cheaper moves because they had they had built a stronger kind of core of people they didn't have to spend as much as the rangers and so there are different ways to do it but when it comes to spending exactly like you were saying you have to do it in the right way you can't Mm -hmm. just 
the the Padres, the Mets, hell, the Yankees this year. All mm-hmm. cautionary tales of it, it, it is not all about just throwing money at people because just just bringing in guys on big contracts does not guarantee success. Yeah, and, and that's that, that's kind of the tough line that you have to walk um, for for the Brewers because maybe there are some guys that are worth expending for, but maybe you don't have the ability to to extend for them because those guys get into bidding wars and. I mean, the Brewers were never going to be playing at the market for Corey Seager. You know, as good as Corey Seager is, they were never going to be playing in that level of free agent market. They weren't. Maybe they should. I mean, I believe at the same offseason was when the Brewers had Adamas coming off a season hitting 285. So maybe they didn't really uh, feel the need to at that time because they already had Adamas. But, yeah, I think it's it's just a matter of that. But, I mean, going into this offseason – is there really anyone that that we could see the Brewers spending big for? I mean, that, that's that, that's kind of the, the the thing, because okay, like yes, you can spend big uh, in order to to get there, but what you, you think they're going to pay five hundred million for Shohei Otani? They're not. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to pay a hundred plus million for for Blake Snell or Aaron Nola if they're not willing to pay Corbin Burns long-term and, and keep him around. They're not going to be paying any of those guys. So there's more than one way to skin a cat. There, there's more than one way to get to the World Series. And the Brewers are definitely going to be looking more at the Arizona Diamondbacks model mm-hmm. than the Texas Rangers model. Because, I mean, the Diamondbacks showed you can certainly get there. They ran out of pitching towards the end. Um, that, that was really kind of their main problem. I mean, you have a bullpen game in game four and all of a sudden it's 10, nothing. I mean, what, what, what are we doing? Um, it, that was just, that was, that was bad, but they ran, they ran out of pitching straight up. That, that's what it was, yeah. but they had, they had quite the run, um, and they had things just kind of go their way. And that's kind of what the brewers are, are trying to line up for themselves. So that that's their strategy. Um, so I, I think what they're going to be doing is looking more at the diamondbacks style of, of how they got to the World Series uh, versus the Rangers. I don't see the Brewers handing out a couple of $300 million contracts, but it's it, it's a matter of, of just getting the team in, in the right place and, and the right mindset. The mindset of the Diamondbacks seemed a whole lot better um, going in than what the Brewers were. The Brewers seemed, seemed frail and, and just kind of playing – uh, cautiously, they weren't loose. They weren't themselves uh, in the playoffs, running down the stretch there. So that's that's all it is. Just getting into the right mindset uh, at the right time, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's crazy because they they ended up falling at the end of the season. Like they fell to that uh, final wild card spot, and and yet once the playoffs started, they it's like they flipped that switch. So. Go yeah. figure, uh, hot at the right time, and they, they almost pulled it off. But, uh, yeah, kind of going back to where we started this all off um, during the podcast, that just they they it, they ended up being the David to the Goliath of the uh, Rangers. But in this case, Goliath ended up actually winning. So, yeah, yeah, it happens. That's baseball. That's uh, That's how it goes. And now we go into... Uh, an off season waiting on Craig council and waiting on a whole lot of uh, other things to happen and waiting on answers on if Jimmy Hoffa is indeed buried underneath <laughs> hell fair field. 
that'll do it for us. Uh, we're out of time, and uh, we'll continue to uh, keep you entertained. Hopefully, you feel entertained uh, throughout the off season as Brewers move forward. We got the non-tender deadline coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, we got the roster edition deadline to protect from the Rule Five draft. We got just about a month. We got a month until winter meetings, so uh, it's going to be a wild time as as things get moving here in, in the off season. And, uh, we'll be here every step of the way uh, here on the podcast and at reviewingthebrew.com. So that'll do it for us. Thank you for listening. This has been the sport. Or I keep on mixing up my shows. Yeah. This. This, this this is not sports on deck. Uh, that is a different show. Uh, that I do. Uh, this has been the Cold Brew Podcast.